Hello, everyone. I'm excited to host today Sardar Asimov, who is the founder of Skip Labs and a growth and outbound agency and an email marketing expert himself. So following two very nice blog posts on the Growth Mentor blog, I'm excited to discuss with him about how to craft content for cold outreach. Welcome, Sardar. Hi, Spiros. Nice to, nice to have you finally uh, doing this podcast yes. session. I'm also excited um, to have this uh, conversation with you. As you mentioned, we previously had two lengthy blog posts on cold outreach, mostly focused on the data and the tech side. And I guess this is the, the final piece that is missing to our puzzle, how to craft an engaging content that converts for cold outbound campaigns. Yes, perfect. So let's get started. So Shardar, would you like to share with us more from your experiences dealing with the structure of email sequences? Yes. So usually what I have noticed you know, in each email campaign uh, that usually people tend to either underestimate or overestimate the the value of the content so and one of the one of the things that i have noticed is also that the structure sometimes people don't have a clear idea how it should look like or how many steps it should have so ideally when we craft an email sequence we try to keep it relatively short um under four five steps maximum because if people you know didn't understand the value of what you're offering on the second, even third step, there is like um, no chances that they will understand. Some people say, you know, th this is not true that some, some prospects might need like seven, eight or 12 even touch points. I find it bothering personally and I don't want to go this route. So I try to squeeze everything in, in three, four sweet short, uh, sequences. So the four is maximum that we do. Um, the way we structure our campaigns is also, you know, the first step is to introduce the company, explain the, the context, the reason of outreach and the value that we're offering to the company. The following emails are usually focused on following up on the first touch point, but then again, expanding on additional points that we didn't have chance to discuss uh, in, the, in, in, in the previous steps. The goal is obviously to share always something valuable, something new, and not to repeat and reuse the same content because it doesn't bring any value. Does it make sense? Yes, perfect. And so I'm very curious. I have tried to uh, create a few sequences here and there sometimes, and I'm very curious to learn about the complications that you identify and you can help us simplify in our head, like especially uh, in order in our efforts to identify the value of. The, that the audience is getting? Like, what are your thoughts around this topic? It's a very good question. So for me, the, the content comes at the end of the logical path where there is first the strategy of the campaign, and then we try to identify the best fitting customers, ideal customer profiles, you know, based on the product market fit. And then we try to see what is this uh, audience is looking for? How can we share value? What value can we provide? And usually the bad campaigns or bad content is structured around the product, the service that people try to pitch, and they don't even try to understand, you know, what the, the, the recipient is looking for, or does even the recipient fits the ideal customer profile? 
So those topics, I guess we already have addressed in the data, in the data content part that we have written previously. The product selling approach is where you pitch the product. And this is something that we don't want to do. The, the actual approach that we're trying to have with our clients is that we try to explain the, the problems that we're solving and why we think that the, the company that we are trying to engage with is the, could benefit from those services. So always focusing on the value, focusing on the pains they might be having. And obviously it starts with the understanding of the audience, of the companies, of the sector, of the industry. This is where you, you come in and as a, as a service provider and explain why the things that you're offering are good for the, for the company. I, I mean, as an example, I can even take, you know, my own company. So we usually work with small to medium sized companies and I could pitch them, you know, my service as, as lead generation company. Do they even care? Probably not because I'm not even trying to understand what pains they, they might be having. So the strategy would be for me to, to see what companies might have high ticket services, high ticket products, and that are mainly focusing on sales driven growth where they do uh, direct outreach to the potential customers as opposed to marketing led or product led growth. So in that case, uh, I would try to identify what are the best fitting companies. And, uh, and we have obviously discussed this also in the data part, but again, all strategy that we need to implement is tied to the one single thing is that knowing who the prospect is, understanding how we can explain them that we know who they are, we know what pains they might be having, and we have a solution for this. Totally understood. I have read about that on the internet, but the emails I received from like when I am the league probably uh, do not follow usually that rule. Anyway, so <laughs> when I when I used to write email sequences, I was having a trouble to balance like the details that matter and the details that don't matter. So, for example, we were trying to segment uh, the leads and then personalize the emails and then uh, make the email as personal as possible, actually, mm -hmm. from the lead perspective. So, but what does actually uh, make sense in like in this spectrum? Like, what should what we should we be doing? Yeah. So, you know, when you're trying to to read articles on internet or whatever content on the specific topic on how to personalize cold outreach, you will read a lot of different things. Some people will say you need to have icebreakers where you deep dive into what they have accomplished, what they have done to spark their interest. Some people say, you know, personalization is adding the first name, last name, company name. But actually, this is just only partially true. If I have received, you know, emails where people were mentioning even the content that I've written on, on different, uh, articles on different blog posts. Um, and this was hyper personalized, but then again, the outreach itself didn't make sense. You know, it's, I wasn't even the, the right type of companies. So the first thing is obviously is to start with the segmentation. Uh, how can we uh, use the segmentation that we have come up with to explain that the there is a context behind it, that you are looking for a specific type of companies 
and you explain why you're looking for this specific type of companies and how we think they might fit. The angle usually that we're trying to come up is uh, in the emails is directly tied to the to the strategy. In in the example that I could do as an outreach for my own company could be finding LinkedIn jobs where people look for in the keywords I would add lead generation, cold email, outbound, growth marketing. I will look for all the companies that have entered the specific keywords in the positions. And then I, I would know that they, they're looking for help in this area. And I, in, in my outreach, I would even precise that, you know what, this is how I got uh, to know the company because there is a clear intent or a clear need. And this is how I don't even need to know what the company does. or I just need to know that they have a specific need in this area. And this is just a part of the strategy. And then from on the content side, I can explain them how I got, where I got. Um, I can even run additional uh, data extractions on the company itself to understand the size of the company and explain that, you know what, I was looking for medium-sized companies. It looks like you're in this tier, et cetera, et cetera. All the value uh, that we can provide in the emails is linked to your knowledge of the prospect. Everything is tied to this. The more you know about the prospect, the more you can personalize it or sound as it is personalized. It's not by adding the, the first name. It's not by adding the company name. It's by making sure that once they receive this email, they see, okay, hey, this is right. This is my company. We do this. We have those problems. And we didn't probably think that we might have those issues, but those, those solutions might be something that we, we are interested in, in, in listening or in hearing about. I get that. I get that. Like I, I have some uh, very nice memories from uh, trying to craft emails like this one. <laughs> so um, I remember a video that uh, I recorded some time ago with Tim Shakir, who were talking about uh, not only product market fit but other types of fit for around mm -hmm. the startup. And now it's time. It's about time to discuss about content market fit, which is highly related to copywriting along an email sequence. So what, what's your take uh, on yeah. copywriting? Here. So here's we have two different things. So when I was saying that people usually try to overestimate the value of the content is that sometimes they hire copywriters that only know how to write, but they don't have like the business acumen. So and the, the challenge with this is that if you, when you know how to write but you don't know what to write, usually the content is maybe really easy to read, good to understand, but it doesn't provide value. So the copywriting starts with understanding of the challenges, understanding if the recipient actually fits the, the product market fit. So once we have understood what is the product market fit, and by this I mean what is the company, what are the types of companies, what are the types of decision makers, uh, and for each decision maker understanding their pains and how the products or the services that we're trying to pitch solve their problems, is where the content enters in, you know. And by content market fit, what we define is usually understanding what value propositions are fit for which type of companies and what positions. When I was working previously for other companies, um, we used to have software vendors that had, you know, marketing slash IT related products. So one of those products was really simple, you know, like creating marketing inserts 
to the to the customers when they receive the the, the monthly statements. Uh, the marketing wanted to be able to do it themselves, so the, their need was to be able to do upselling, cross-selling on their on the banking or whatever product they had. The IT had issues uh, related to the IT stuff. So you, now you have the same product that can be offered to two different uh, buying uh, committee. One is IT, one is marketing, but they don't have the same needs. Marketing wants to be able to do it by themselves, uh, and the IT department wants to make sure that you know, the the securities are in place, that the, the the company data is not getting out somewhere, and you need to understand what the the challenges are and what solutions you, you might be offering. And obviously, in, in this specific situation, the content has to fit each buyer's persona's um, position, needs, and uh, what the the benefits that they get get. Again, when we come back to my type of clients, um, the CEO will not have the same needs as the head of sales or head of marketing. When I'm going to create a, uh, a message for marketing or salespeople, I will deep dive maybe more on the technical aspects as opposed to work on the higher level goals for the CEO. So my question now is, okay, we have all this understanding, but as we scale a process, I mean, these things change. Like it's good to understand them at a normal scale, but if you try mm -hmm. to scale a process, some of these variables that you have been uh, adding in this equation might need to change. So how do you actually scale such a process? Yeah, so... People always want to scale, but <laughs> the, the real question is, why do we need to scale? So before even scaling, we need to make some assumptions, some tests, and see what is working. And once we understand, you know, what type of personalizations or what type of campaigns actually tend to perform better than the others, this is where the scaling happens, you know. Um, I have clients for whom we are able to send, you know, contact roughly over 1200 new prospects each day always personalized you know content uh, how do we personalize the, the email outreach it's another thing so it's all everything is based on the on the angle what the what are the type of merged fields that we need to have in the content what are the things that we need to add um, scaling comes with the with the data, having the right data to be able to input in the in the cold sequences, to be able to segment them, to be able to make sense of of the targeting. So the only way you can scale this without doing it manually is by having clear segmentation list, uh, automations in place where you can have data enrichment with different uh, external databases or other to be able to have a uh, something that is, seems unique without uh, being too 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 manual. I will give an example of what we had recently as a as a demand. So there is a company that they that does solar installation for commercial buildings, and their need is, is to be able to engage with building owners of large buildings that have you know a minimum surface. On the rooftop. So there is two ways of going about that. So one way of going about this is to engage with all building owners uh, in specific areas, or the other way around is to identify all the buildings that have a minimum surface that they they are looking for. And 
obviously there is no simple database that says, you know, this is the building, this is the rooftop, this is the gross area, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the go-to-market strategy that we offer there is to look at existing open data sources that are here available where previously um, scientists, uh, they did some lidar based analysis of the of the buildings so they analyze all the the roofing surfaces and what we would do is that we would match those buildings with the databases of buildings in the areas that we have and then see which ones overlap and which ones have over i don't know 10,000 square meter once we have analyzed this then we would do a second layer of segmentation because the goal is to focus on high energy consuming consuming uh, buildings which means uh, healthcare, warehousing, retail, et cetera, et cetera. But there are also other external databases, uh, like energy performance in the US, where they give you the, the annual consumption. So we could match those data sets by using fuzzy matching or whatever other criteria to be able to say, okay, we know this building has this type of rooftop. Uh, they fit our requirements in terms of minimum uh, amount of surfaces. And now they also fit our second requirements in terms of energy consumption. What we could come up with saying, you know what? Hey, if you're looking for buildings over 10,000 square meters uh, in warehousing, in retail, in whatever, looks like you're building in the specific area. It fits our requirements. We are able to help you to generate over, I don't know, $10,000 of extra cash or decrease of monthly revenue. Are you interested in, in listening? This is one way of doing this. The other way of doing is, Hey, do you have in your portfolio a building that has over 10,000? I'll be happy to help. Which one are you willing to reply most? The first one or the second one? So, yeah. Totally understood. Totally understood. So I think we can play a game now. I will mention a few hacks that people mention around the internet. Uh-huh. And you can share with me like quickly your point of view from your experience. What do you say? Let's go. So sales videos. Okay. Before we deep dive into into my feedbacks, we, we need to make sure that you know we need to make sure to understand that this is my personal point of view and uh, and based on on my understanding of the of the business and on my past experiences. So it doesn't mean it's universal. It doesn't mean that it it cannot work. Uh, we just need to make sure that people understand some audience will. Re- will not react in the same way for the same hacks. So the sales videos, uh, I personally think it's, it's, it's time consuming and it's not that great added value. Why? Uh, people who are like me, who are specialized, they know this is just a gimmick and that there are tools behind that mimic, you know, the, the, the lip movement and People might think, oh, this is great. People spend time on, you know, on personalizing the outreach. But then again, I would reply to a simple email saying exactly the same content if I, if I knew that it had a value. So I would not reply more just because of the sale, of the sales video. I would even probably just reply less because they, I, I know that people behind, they try to trick me into, into having a higher conversion rate. What about dynamic images? So dynamic images, two things here. Uh, when we're doing cold outreach, we need to, uh, we need to understand that 
the deliverability rate can be decreased uh, when you add images. So dynamic images can be good, but can be also hindering your deliverability. So if you're not that much worried about the deliverability, this can work assuming it has a value. So the real question is what type of dynamic content you might add. So we, we all seen all those screenshots where people hold whatever cup, they try to point something on the poster, something on the wall, saying, hey, my CEO, Bill, you know, asked me to contact you. I even wrote it on my whatever notepad. Here it is on my fridge. Who cares? You know, okay. So, but what is the point? You know, what can you offer me and why I should even care about who is Bill, who is your CEO, what the company does? You know, it's, it should be all about me and it's not all about you. So it can help, but it can create give more harm than the actual benefit. I get a lot of clickbait subject lines. What's your opinion on that? My opinion is that do not oversell. Also, obviously, it depends on the goals. If your goal is just to increase the open rate, go with the clickbait. But then again, you will create frustrations. So we, I've received a lot of emails you know, where I was like, wow, this subject line is really good. Let's hear, hear it. And once, you know, you, you read the first, second lines, what you, what happens is that you're disappointed. And this disappointment, uh, is caused by the fracture between the promise in the email, uh, subject line and the content that is following. There is like a big gap between expectations and what you get. So if you're not able to, to, you know, to, to guarantee or to, to deliver what you promised in the subject line, it just creates frustration and people say, you know what, it was a clickbait. And the only thing that they want to do is that put you in a spam folder, block you so that they will never receive any email from you. So it, it can be good if you, if your main priority is to focus on, on, uh, you know, on, uh, on open rates. And obviously everyone has their preferred or subject lines like quick questions. How many emails did you receive with quick questions? Probably dozens a day. Uh, the other thing is, is like, uh, can be a question for this one. This is some for this one. It's, it, it, they're overused, you know, uh, what I've noticed is that usually the subject lines don't really matter, uh, especially when it comes to the scaling. What really matters is the content behind. So people who wanted to open the emails, they will open the email. People who don't want to open emails, they will never open the email. It doesn't matter what the subject line is. So obviously, you know, they, there is a timing. There is maybe the, the words that you're using subject line. You can do A-B testing, but in, in large scale, when you're talking about sending thousands and thousands of emails on a monthly basis, the, the subject lines you know, tend to have a lesser impact uh, when it comes to big numbers. Last one for today, and I get a lot of that as well. False flattery, especially I, along zones yeah. <laughs> of follow-ups. Like I yeah. had a, a particular case, I received seven, eight follow-ups, and I had said no three times. Yeah, so, no, thank you. Thanks for reaching out. I don't, I'm not interested. Yeah. I received eight follow-ups, some of them with a lot of false flattery. So, what's your call on that? I personally. 
don't like it. Uh, especially in B2B, your goal is to sell to the company. Obviously, people say, you know, you don't sell to a company, you sell to a person. Yes. But if the person can say that your only goal is to sell without even understanding why you're selling to this person, it creates, a, again, a, a fracture, you know, a, a gap between what I will perceive as a message and what do you want to send as a message. People usually tend to send amazing accomplishments in this and this and that, but you know that they don't mean it, you know. And, and I'd rather have someone say, you know what, I know that you are CEO of the company, you might have this type of pains. Do you need help with that as opposed to having those false flatteries? I would not recommend in doing so unless there is something really specific. So we have used this for one of my clients um, where we engaged with the lawyers that have received specific awards in specific categories related to their, to their, to their business. This was very useful and it, it helped them understand, you know, how we got to know them, how we found them and also valorize, you know, the try to highlight their, uh, their accomplishments in, uh, in a, not, not a false flattery way, but in a real way, you know, like you know, it's something that is really, uh, valued by their peers. It's not just our saying, you know what? Oh, you look great on the paper. You know, who cares? Sardar. Thanks a lot for taking the time to share all this experience with us today. I hope that people will reach out to you and Growth Mentor to learn even more because that's a very hot topic nowadays. And I hope that they will enjoy this recording as much as I did. Thank you. Thank you, Spirus. Talk to you soon. Bye.